Hello, and welcome to Bruce World, How I See Things. If you haven't guessed it, I'm Bruce, Bruce Handler. And with each episode, I plan to discuss a thought-provoking topic and, of course, share my point of view. To talk about humans and the interesting things we do, maybe teach you a thing or two, share some facts that are really true, and make you laugh at least once before I'm through. Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of my podcast titled, Shots Fired But Not Heard, Living Our Lives with Mass Shootings and Endless Gun Violence. So yes, Bruce World Podcast listeners, this is another serious topic that I'll be covering today with no humor included. But I feel absolutely compelled to address this issue now, given what's been going on in 2020 related to this extremely important topic, and to bring as many facts to light as possible, and not the spin and made-up gobbledygook that we hear from the NRA or the far right that is not based on evidence. Now, I do have to point out that not every fact, figure, piece of data that I'll be sharing is 100% current and up-to-date, but most of the information is no more than a few years old. And to start out by asking if the following is our future, or has it already arrived? You wake up and you have your daily coffee, tea, your diet cola, and you do your daily crossword or Sudoku puzzle, and you check the daily weather, and to see who's getting divorced in the entertainment world, you look at the daily sports scores, and then you look at the daily number of mass shootings and other murders, showing the total number of people killed or injured, and then go about your day. I don't know about you, but it's become extremely difficult for me to watch or read the news these days. Because just as the sun rises each morning, it seems like there will also be at least one mass shooting before the day ends. And the data bears this out, in particular, in 2021. It also seems that little to nothing is being done in our country to change this horrible daily occurrence of mass death. This senseless bloodshed and loss of human life, including the lives of children. And you know what disgusts me more than anything after a shooting is over? Is to hear the Republican leaders and gun lobbyists say the same thing over and over and over ad nauseum. And I say ad nauseum because it makes me sick. What do they say? Our deepest sympathies and our prayers and our thoughts go out to the families who've been impacted by this terrible tragedy and the loss of their loved ones and those injured. What those are, are truly meaningless, empty, hollow, and worthless words that won't bring back the dead, heal the wounded, or prevent any future deaths. And they in no way will help heal the families who lost a son, daughter, parent, relative, best friend, colleague. Or, nor will they help the lives of the survivors and those who witnessed and experienced the shootings whose lives will never be the same. What this constant mass shooting is doing is putting all of us on edge and creating unprecedented fear because other than staying locked in our homes, is there anywhere 
that is safe. And staying in our homes may not be safe either if you live with an abuser who has access to a gun. You can't step into a school, a store, theater, workplace, or attend a concert, event, or house of worship without putting your life and your family's life at risk. Why is that? Because our country, the United States of America, like no other, is obsessed with gun ownership and easy access to such weapons, including semi-automatic weapons. The number of guns in our country is truly astronomical and growing at an average of about 2 million per month. Americans own about 400 million guns. Just think about that number for a minute. Let that number sink in. 400 million guns. To put this in perspective, Americans own fewer cell phones than guns at 300 million and even fewer televisions at 275 million. Now, give or take, there are about 250 million American adults, people age 18 and older, living in America. So there's enough guns for every adult to have more than one gun, and many people have many guns. Now, I used 18 as the minimum age because you can buy a handgun when you're only 18 if the gun is being purchased from a private, unlicensed seller, which could be a neighbor or someone online or at a gun show. When it comes to shotguns and rifles, like the AR-15, a semi-automatic weapon that resembles a military rifle and can generally hold up to 30 rounds. The minimum age to purchase them from a licensed dealer is 18 under federal law, but there is no minimum age to purchase such guns from an unlicensed seller. Does that fact seem utterly idiotic and downright insane. So, should who you purchase a gun from determine in any way who should be allowed to have one? And again, this is beyond crazy. It defies logic. And I'm sick and tired of hearing Republicans scream at the top of their lungs all about their rights, their right not to wear a mask or to social distance, their right not to get vaccinated, their right to storm the Capitol, their right to threaten anyone who does not support their Trumpian cause, and to do whatever it takes to try and steal an election through lies and bullying, and, of course, their right to bear arms, or in some cases, arsenals of weapons, including semi-automatic weapons. Now, before we get into the Second Amendment, when many Trump supporters probably couldn't even tell you what century it was ratified or why, how do we compare to other countries when it comes to gun ownership, mass shootings, murders? Please note that the U.S. makes it easier to own a gun than almost any other country. People own significantly fewer guns in some of the most dangerous places in the world. To find a developed country with more than 25 million people that you can compare against the U.S., you would have to go to Canada. But even then, they have four times fewer guns per capita than we do. And one of the main reasons they have a lot of guns is due to the incredible amount of hunting that is done in that country. But to own a gun in Canada, unlike the U.S., you are always required to go through a security screening, background checks, reference interviews, 
All applicants are screened, and a mandatory 28-day waiting period is imposed on first-time applicants. But final approval actually takes longer. And you must go through a firearm safety course. Licenses are typically valid for five years, and then they have to be renewed. And in 2020, in the wake of a mass shooting, the Prime Minister announced that the government of Canada would immediately ban around 1,500 models of military-grade assault-style weapons. Such an extremely important example of how our laws must change with the times we live in. Other governments have done the same after a mass shooting and instituted strict gun control laws, including Australia, Great Britain, New Zealand, etc. There has not been a need for tighter controls in many other countries because of how rare it is to have a mass shooting or many murders by a gun, and that's because of the small amount of gun ownership and the strict controls that they have in place for those who are eligible to get a gun. In England and Wales, with an estimated population of 60 million people, they've been averaging about 650 homicides per year, and of those, on average, about 30 are caused by the use of guns. Let that sink in for a moment as we compare that to one city in the United States. The city of Chicago, population roughly 2.7 million, where in 2020 alone there were 769 murders, 3,261 shootings. Now, getting back to mass shootings. What do we define as a mass shooting? Now, you can find multiple definitions, but one common one states that it's Firearm violence resulting in at least four people being shot at roughly the same time and location, excluding the perpetrator. If you use this definition, there have been 2,128 mass shootings since 2013. Roughly one per day. And semi-automatic weapons are used in a majority of these shootings. In 2000. And 21, by April 9th, there have already been 130 mass shootings in the United States, compared to 22 other developed nations. The United States of America has a gun-related murder rate that is on average 25 times higher and Americans are six times more likely to be accidentally killed with a gun, even though the U.S. population is half of the other 22 nations combined. And the United States accounted for 82% of all gun deaths among these 22 developed nations. It also accounted for 90% of all women killed by guns. 91% of children under 14 who died by gun violence were in the United States. 92% of young people between the ages of 15 and 24 killed by guns in the United States. Murder is the second leading cause of death among Americans aged 15 to 24. And around 50% of suicides are caused by the use of a gun. How can you not admit 
These numbers are absolutely staggering and incredibly sobering. What is one of the most important data points when it comes to guns and gun control? Is that a clear majority of Americans want stricter regulations. Yet there is a segment of our population throwing an astronomical amount of money in lobbying and propaganda efforts to not support any regulations that would lead to more strict gun control. And that unregulated gun ownership is worth the cost to our society. Now, given the makeup of the Senate today, it would be impossible to make any change to our gun control laws at the federal level. Unless maybe they were to experience a tragedy firsthand with their kids who went to the same private school in Washington where there was a mass shooting. Not that I would ever in a million years wish that on anyone. So, what's the solution? Well, the one thing that's so unique to our country compared to other developed countries has nothing to do with mental health issues, unemployment, prosperity, violence that people are exposed to on social media or video games, TV or movies. That's all the same. And at times it's even worse in other countries. Well then, the only real difference between our country and other developed countries is simply the amount of mass gun ownership. As I stated, guns are everywhere in the U.S., And in some states, people can freely walk around carrying them and don't always even need a license to do so. The U.S. has about 120 firearms per 100 citizens. To find the next highest number, you have to go to Yemen, one of the most dangerous and violent countries in the world to live in. And they have 53 firearms per 100 people. It's also so easy to own a gun, including semi-automatic weapons and rifles in the United States, as I mentioned earlier. And in many cases, you can own one without any background check being required. So the solution is simple. And to do what other countries have done and reduce easy access to dangerous weapons by banning those with high-capacity magazines, assault weapons requiring universal background checks, which would include instituting a significant waiting period that would allow time for people to cool themselves down. And that can minimize revenge killings, suicides, mass shootings. And it allows time for a very thorough background check. That would lead a 40% more of all gun purchases having to go through this process and therefore avoid former criminal and domestic abusers from owning a gun. A big thing that also makes a big difference that we barely hear about is there are people out there who have turned in other individuals based on their strange behaviors and obvious warning signs which have prevented more homicides, suicides, and mass shootings from occurring. But what's sad is how many people choose not to do or say anything. It's very common for people to show a number of warning signs prior to a mass shooting or revenge shooting, and some will actually share their intentions with at least one person. Others will make blatant threats before they act. 
Others will begin talking very strangely and acting paranoid and talk about a fascination with guns, killings, people out to get them. Yet people are making what may turn out to be a huge mistake by not calling the police or at least getting the advice of a therapist, social worker, or employee assistance person if their company offers such resources. Maybe even discuss it with a friend or family member about what you should do. Now, I experienced this firsthand and in a big way. Years ago, while working in HR for a Fortune 1000 company, it took 30 days for an employee's manager to tell me that their employee was missing and had been acting in a number of bizarre ways for the past month. Nobody reported that this person was actually yelling in meetings, having outbursts with coworkers, and was talking about guns and threatening people, and literally speaking and writing emails and gibberish. And they would just show up for work when they wanted and didn't tell anybody. All of those warning signs. And people did nothing until it was almost too late. Within a week of my hearing this and getting the employee's family and police involved, thankfully, the employee was arrested on the same day. He took a sledgehammer to the inside of his house, trying to destroy as much of it as possible threatening to kill me and a colleague, threatening to kill his wife and children, threatening to kill himself. And then he broke into his former employer's company. When he was arrested on that day, he was found with multiple weapons. And he was also talking in gibberish about the government and the companies he worked for trying to get him. Now, let's talk about the Second Amendment. For those of you who want to throw the Second Amendment at me that's over 200 years old, let's get real. You don't even know what you're talking about. Could the men who wrote this amendment have foreseen the carnage, the mass death, the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of homicides and suicides throughout the years? Of course not. The contextual reading is quite enlightening. It strongly suggests that the main, indeed almost exclusive, purpose of the amendment was in fact to protect the rights of states to maintain and arm militias. Because there was no real army. So citizens needed to be armed in order to be called upon to fight against possible threats. Like other governments trying to take over the U.S. or even other citizens trying to overthrow the existing government. Now, there's certainly enough evidence to support an argument for some reference to personal possession, but there is no evidence to support proof that personal possession was the main focus or that it was intended to be unqualified, unchecked. In the 1800s, for example, people needed guns to hunt for food, to survive, they needed guns to protect themselves as they moved west and ran into bandits or native tribes. So it may be that the amendment's text, 
supports something like where we are now, that a law-abiding citizen can own a handgun in his home for self-protection. But the text and context, however, don't point us to an unlimited individual right to bear just any kind and number of weapons by anyone, whether a minor or a felon or domestic abuser. Thankfully, some states have laws which give family members or law enforcement the right to legally remove guns, at least temporarily, from a person who may be a danger to others or themselves. Currently in Alabama, believe it or not, domestic abusers cannot have guns. And on a final note, for those who claim gun ownership stops crime, there's endless studies that show the opposite to be true in the aggregate. Yes, they stop some crime. But get this, over 30 studies show that overall more gun ownership actually leads to more crime, murder, and other violent acts. There's a famous study using data from the FBI and the CDC, and it shows that firearm assaults were almost seven times more likely in states with the most guns. And there are 15 studies that show people who have access to firearms at home were nearly twice as likely to be murdered as people who did not own guns. So in this podcast, I mentioned a variety of solutions. But I want to reemphasize that if you see something, say something. Again, people often show signs that they're going to harm themselves or others. Regarding changes to laws, I wish I had an easy answer. All I can think of is education. Educate friends and family with the type of information that I've shared with you. There are many people who are influenced by false information, in particular all the propaganda from the NRA. And we'll never get away from people in the U.S. being able to own guns to hunt or for protection, but hopefully over time we can influence political leaders to make sure guns don't get into the wrong hands, that certain types of weapons are banned that under certain circumstances they're taken away like in domestic violence situations, and that people are required to be educated on gun use and safety. The most simple act in the world is to keep guns locked up, because unlocked guns have led to hundreds of children each year playing with and accidentally killing themselves or others. And it's also led to thousands of young people committing suicide. It is said that guns don't kill people. People kill people. But what needs to be said is access to guns makes it easy for others to kill people. For people to intentionally kill themselves and for people to accidentally kill themselves or others, including children. This is a matter of life or death. So thanks for stopping by, and thanks for listening, if you're still awake. I hope you were entertained, maybe learned something new, smiled a time or two, and here's to having at least an okay day. And if you don't, that you have what it takes to make it through. This is Bruce from Bruce World, The Way I See Things, and I hope you'll join me for my next episode. 